The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Content Marketing Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the most critical components of your marketing efforts, content marketing. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know about the technologies and strategies behind maximizing the impact of your content marketing as a creator and as a publisher. With us today is Robert Rose, who is the founder and chief troublemaker at The Content Advisory, which is a resource that helps companies create intelligent content strategies by providing strategic consulting, education, and research that helps teams transform their business and build passionate audiences. Okay, here's the first installment of Content Marketing Week, where Robert and I discuss the trends and growth in the content marketing landscape. Robert, welcome to the MarTech Podcast and to Content Marketing Week. Thank you so much for having me. This is honestly great to be here. It's an honor to have you here. You've always been very gracious with your time, and I'm sure there are lots of demands on it because you're a popular guy in the marketing circles. So, you know, all the gratitude comes from this side. But just to get the audience to have some context of who you are in case they don't already know, tell us a little bit about your background and and about the starting of the Content Marketing Institute and the Content Advisory. Sure. Happy to do it. So I've got the gray hair to show this, which is I've been in marketing now for coming up on 30 years. So I started in the entertainment business and really have spent my entire career in some form of media and content. But of course, as the dot-com explosion happened, I ended up as the CMO of a software company. And during that time, I had decided that we would take a new approach to marketing. And so much to the chagrin of my board and my boss, who was the CEO at the time, I basically took the giant pile of money that they plopped down in venture capital and said, go build a marketing department. I said, okay, well, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to build a media company. So instead of hiring classic marketers, I hired designers and communicators and journalists and basically turned ourselves into a small little media company producing, and this is early 2000s, of course, and we created white papers and we had webinars weekly and we had a blog and we had all kinds of stuff going on. And funny enough, weirdly enough, it all worked. 
and we grew the company. And it was a wonderful little thing. And I happened to be out on the speaking circuit, sort of telling our story in 2008. And I met this guy, Joe Polizzi. And he was out there talking about it from the media side, from the publishing practitioner side of talking about this idea of content and how it was really reshaping marketing. And he and I got along famously, as you might imagine. And he said, Hey, listen, when you're done with this startup company, maybe we should do something together. And as it turns out, I was tired of pushing that startup rock up the hill. And he basically said, let's go have dinner. And we had dinner and we've been fast friends ever since. And we started this thing called the Content Marketing Institute. And it was really his vision. And we built this thing with the idea of evangelizing the process, the methodology of content marketing to larger enterprises and built Content Marketing World on top of that and the blog and all of the other things we do from Content Marketing University to now what I spend most of my time doing, which is, of course, consultation, running around the planet and helping companies with their operational approach to content strategy. And after the acquisition, which CMI was acquired in 2016 by a company called UBM, which was then subsequently acquired by a company called Informa, so giant acquisition chain there, smaller fish eating bigger fish eating bigger fish. And then Joe took his sabbatical, went off into the sunset with his very large acquisition fee, and I continue to work for a living. So I have now branched out on my own and really taken what I've been doing with CMI to its own consultation firm called Content Advisory. And now we spend our time doing the same thing that we've been doing for 10 years, which is really helping companies figure out this whole content operation thing. And in the interim decade, I've written a couple of books with Joe mostly and hosted a couple of podcasts and done some fun things. And so yeah, content marketing is kind of my thing. So I think that the takeaway here is that you and Joe Polizzi are the godfathers of modern content marketing. I would call him the godfather. I would call me sort of the consigliere of content marketing. How about that? I think that you're being kind. I'm, I'm going to call you both the godfathers. And <laughs> I, we would love to talk to Joe and debate it with him. But obviously, somebody who has helped develop the notion of content as a marketing channel over the years. I want to talk to you today about the landscape. And I think that the best way to do this is talk about from when you were doing something that was groundbreaking and innovative at the startup that you were working at a decade ago or however long it's been, how has how people view content as a marketing channel changed to the point where we are today? It's been a bit of a double-edged sword, I would say. Like any new approach, and we've seen this happen with social media, certainly with digital writ large, we've seen early adopters and we've seen a lot of people get successful at it and in many ways swung the pendulum too far. So you can see the cautionary tales in digital marketing and advertising and everything that's happened in social media over the last decade. And you can see the same thing in content marketing as well. You know, in the early days, creating a blog or creating a thought leadership program in a digital sense for a brand was relatively innovative. And then it caught on, of course. And now because of how easily content is distributed and produced, it really has created this ocean of content, which has, of course, created its own challenges for most businesses to even want to get started. Because quite frankly, it feels a bit like a drop of water in the ocean. And should we even do this? And so while the early indicators were, you can get a lot of traction out of this, you can build a lot of top of the funnel activity using valuable content that delivers value in its own right. Now it's more challenging than ever. But it doesn't mean 
that quite frankly, it's game over for those that are starting. It just puts an emphasis on how good you have to be in order to excel at this. So the landscape that we see today is almost inevitably not creating something net new. It is almost table stakes these days to have some kind of publication, whether it's an email newsletter or a webinar program or a blog or a digital magazine or an event or anything, how content is expressing itself. The key for these businesses that are struggling with it, and what we find anyway, is that we're usually fixing something that's broken rather than starting something new. And that broken piece is truly, how can we start to look at content marketing as a strategic function in our business rather than as a replacement for advertising and creating collateral? The biggest mistake that we see in today's landscape is that content is created, but it's seen simply as a replacement for campaign bait or advertising or collateral or catalog creation. And we're treating that content in the same way. So it ultimately doesn't succeed to the extent it could because we're not treating it as a separate and discrete opportunity. I think of the growth in the content industry being very paralleled to some of the distribution channels where there's the rise of the 1.0 internet, where if you create content, Google will just help people find it. There wasn't a lot of competition. There wasn't, relatively speaking, as much content that was searchable. So back in the early days, it was just about the content creation. And if you could figure out how to do that, you were likely going to have a growth vehicle. But content creation was really hard back then because you had to write it basically with in-house writers. Over time, content has become easier to produce. There are other resources that help you produce it. And then it's become harder to find because there's so much competition, because there's so much out there. And so you can't just publish something and expect Google to help your customers find it immediately. So now there is the rise of these other distribution channels, the social media channels of the world, and email marketing, all the sort of other distribution levers that are becoming more prevalent and more advanced. And so now it's not just about create content to get in front of the customers. It's a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. 
having the right content and the right vehicle to promote it. Am I thinking about the landscape in the right way? And how do you view the difference between the Google 1.0 era to the social network distribution channels and all the various ways you can get content out today? I think you are. What we see out there is that creating great content hasn't gotten any harder or easier. It is still as hard today to create something truly differentiated and valuable to the consumer as it was when Og and Grok were in their cave trying to get the tribes people to come to their cave for the evening tale of the hunt, right? Trying to figure out how to put butts in the seat. It's really difficult. It's hard to create content that is valuable, tells a great story, inspires, educates. What has changed fundamentally in the last two decades since digital and Google and all of those 1.0 versions is that you kind of didn't have to be that good at it in the early days. Because as you mentioned, if you were just even moderately adequate with your content, Google would still find it and you'd still be getting some level of traffic because most of the world was still trying to figure out how to actually launch a website or launch an email newsletter. Or, and so it was novel. And what has happened is, is that truly what's become democratized, of course, is the production and distribution. So the democratization of production and distribution did was made it easy for not only businesses, but individuals to become good and to be quite frankly, prolific with their content. And what it's done is that that commoditization of content has made most businesses lazy at it. So it's just as easy for us to dash off a banner ad as it is to post that wonderful piece of literature that we might have, you get lost in the shuffle. So the amount of noise that has erupted has prevented in many ways, or certainly provided a bottleneck for those that actually are really good at content to actually get their content seen. And that's the battle these days, is that in a world where anybody can produce across any digital channel at a low, almost zero cost, well, now it's a question of how do you get it seen? How do you actually go through the, all of the different filters that our audiences have at their availability to filter out only that which they find valuable? So that preciousness of that first moment of attention is such a key thing. What it means is that in today's world, again, it's not any harder to create something great. The real difficult part is, is once you have that attention, boy, you better hold it because developing that trust and that ability to create an engaged audience is a precious thing that you are given very, very seldomly these days. And so really, the landscape is all about how do we find our audiences and engage them where they are and truly hold their attention over time because there's just so much competing for it. That's a really interesting way to think about it. It's not just around the content production. It's about matching the content you're producing with your audience, creating something that grabs their attention and then building a vehicle to be able to keep it. Do you think that over time, people's attention spans have shortened? And has that had an effect on the type of content that they consume? Are, are people just only reading the tweets and the headlines? Or are they actually still consuming content in the same way they did 10 years ago? Well, thankfully, the whole goldfish thing has been put to bed. Let's just be thankful for that. We don't need to see that stupid goldfish slide anymore. Walk me through what the goldfish slide is just for the people that, that aren't aware. You used to see it at every conference where somebody would say, our attention span is only eight seconds and a goldfish's attention span is 10 seconds or something like that. So we have less attention span than a goldfish and it's because of digital and it's shortened. And it's all untrue, of course. Attention span with humans hasn't changed fundamentally in a millennia. 
we are still capable of having quite the lengthy attention. I mean, if anybody's binge watched Game of Thrones, they have a longer attention span than a goldfish for sure. What has shortened is our patience, our patience for getting to what it is we want. And interestingly, and ironically a bit, the study that was actually mentioned in that goldfish thing was actually a Microsoft research study where they were measuring not attention span, but they were measuring how quickly people clicked away on the front page or a landing page of a website after having landed there. So which illustrates not our inability to have attention, it's our inability to capture attention. It's our patience level with content because we realize it's a Google search or a click away to get to something that matches our needs more, has been personalized for us more, or that is more relevant because we understand now as consumers, there is probably a better answer out there for us than what it is we're being presented with. So anytime we see content now, our patience level is so low that what's really changed is the preciousness of when we do get a consumer's attention on a piece of content you don't get that very often. And so you better hold it because if you don't hold it well, they're much more likely these days to just click away and go find something else. Yeah, I think the application of this is you can have long form content. If it's compelling and it's well-written and it's interesting, people will read long form content in the right place at the right time. What matters is everyone is constantly inundated with headlines. No matter where we look, whether it's your Twitter feed or any of the social networks, we're constantly being fed small bits of information asking for our attention. And so we cycle through those very quickly. And if you can't grab someone's attention, and that's a big part of copywriting is just getting the engagement before you're asking them to commit to reading your content, you've already lost the battle. That's 100% yes. Great. Well, Robert, we got a lot of ground to cover this week. We're going to talk about content strategy. We're going to talk about content production, syndication, evaluating. There's a bunch of ground that we're going to cover. So any other last words about some of the changes of the content marketing landscape? I think the real key here is that in the landscape, what I would encourage everybody in the audience to think about is it just goes right to that feed of how we're holding attention rather than capturing it in the moment. And what we've been trained classically to do is, as marketers, is to think in the idea of campaigns and how do we continually replenish, rinse, and repeat campaigns to grab people's attention for that momentary buy or what we might call the gut instinct or the conversion or the you know whatever it is that our ultimate goal as marketers And as content creators, we have to think a little differently. So if you look at the successful landscape of content marketing today, almost inevitably, it is built around not something that got my attention in the moment and I converted on, but something that got my attention to the point where I wanted to subscribe to it and become a long-term audience member. In other words, start thinking of content as a means of developing an audience that wants to subscribe not to what they got today, but what you're promising to give them tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. That's truly creating a subscriber. And where we're seeing success are those platforms driven by brands that are built around building long-term, long-engaged audiences, not the short-term conversion. Pro tip. Building your content strategy is not just around driving an immediate conversion. It's about building relationships with your audience that you can cultivate into a need for your product. Well, you said that much better than I did. Well, it's my job as the podcast host to just summarize (laughs) the smart things you said. But Robert, I'm excited to continue the conversation. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast.
Thanks to Robert Rose for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Robert's tips for building an effective content marketing strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we discuss Robert's tips for developing an effective content strategy. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Robert, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can reach out to him on Twitter where his handle is Robert underscore Rose. That's R-O-B-E-R-T underscore R-O-S-E. Or you could visit his company's website, which is contentadvisory.net. A couple of links that I want to tell you about, which are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for all of our guests. And if you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media as well. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Robert Rose, the co-founder and chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Also, if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.